0: This message comes to you from City Bible Church in Portland, where we are committed to living like Jesus and sharing His love. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. This morning, uh, we're gonna jump back into our service that we've been on for the last four weeks, a series called Overcome. And we've been talking around this one major thought that it's actually possible for you and I to live lives as as overcomers. I think we all recognize that life is filled with obstacles and challenges and setbacks, tragedies, trials. There's lots of things that come our way. The reality is God wants us to know that no matter what comes your way, you can overcome them. And we started this series by talking about our life in parallel to rock climbing. And you can see the wall behind me And the reality is that God wants us to be able to not just move forward, but upward in him. And these obstacles that come into our lives were never meant to be stumbling stones. They were meant to be stepping stones. And if we have the right kind of equipment and we understand what God has actually given us, we're able to climb over any wall that the enemy or the world puts into our path. So we've been talking about this idea of overcoming. One of the scriptures we've been looking at we find in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. And John is trying to remind us once again of who we really are in God's eyes. Not what your friends say about you, not what your boss says about you, not what your teacher says about you, not what the enemy says about you. And John says this about you and me. He says this, you are of God, little children. He just comes straight out and says, you're a child of God. Your father is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the one that can do anything. He's the one that has given you everything. And anything that you need to overcome your obstacles, he's saying, they are at your disposal. Why? Because you're one of my children. And he goes on and he says, and you, speaking of every single one of us, just just stop for a moment and think about your challenges. He says, you have overcome them. Why? Because of Jesus in us. He says, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It's one of those things we have to just put right in front of us daily because there is an onslaught of challenges that we face on a daily basis. We have to remind ourselves he has given us the lawful right to enforce authority over the enemy. He's given that to us. Despite how you feel, the reality is you can overcome. And we've been looking at this one statement. Hopefully, you've written this down. Hopefully, it's become something that you're praying through regularly. It's our overcomer statement, and it simply says this. Because Christ lives in me, I can overcome everything and anything that comes my way. It's a nice statement, but do you actually believe it? Do you actually look at your world and your life and say, you know what, I'm an overcomer? When God put that label on you, he actually looks down upon your life and he sees you as one who prevails. He sees you, as it says in Romans 8, that you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. He looks at your life as it says in Philippians 4.13 that you can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens you. These are statements that come straight from his heart to you to say, this is who you are. You're more than a conqueror. Greater is he that is in you. You can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens you. And we've got to grab a hold of those and say, okay, wait, I'm a victor, I'm not a victim. I can overcome these things that come my way. It doesn't mean that they're easy. It doesn't mean that you're always happy. But the reality is, is that you'll get through them. You'll get over them. You'll get around them. God is in the business of helping us understand we can be overcomers in everything that comes our way. So this morning, um, we're gonna take another step in our journey. And over the last four weeks, we're trying to talk about Practical things that stumble us. We've talked about breaking bad habits or overcoming bad habits. Hopefully you're not doing those things anymore. Uh, We talked about overcoming stress. We've talked about overcoming fear, anxiousness. Today we're going to talk about something that's real personal. Probably a big obstacle for a lot of people in this room. And we're going to talk about this. Overcoming offenses. Let me ask you a question this morning. How many people on any one of the campuses listening online would say, I've been offended one, once or twice in my life? The rest of you are in a coma. I mean, come on, let's just be honest, come on. How many here have been offended once or twice in their life? Just wave me, okay. Let me ask the next question. How many of you here this morning actually have offended Someone else. Same hands, same hands, right? Come on. Here's, here's the reality the whole area of offense is a part of regular life. Unfortunately, but it's true. Jesus himself said this in Luke 17:1. He said, It's impossible that no offenses should come. Jesus is just trying to help us, saying, Hey, listen, I wish it was different. I wish that there weren't problems, but the reality is you live around a lot of funny, strange people that will do weird things to hurt you. It's impossible to live in this world, in this fallen, broken life without being offended. Paul comes back and he says a lot of things which we're gonna look at in Philippians in different chapters as well that talk about this offense, and you see it throughout the Bible. But what I love what Solomon says, he says this. He says, for in many things, we offend all. And what you find when you look at the Bible is that there are these two positions when it comes to offense. One is, we're offended. The other one is, we offend others. And when you go to the Bible, what you find throughout Scripture is that God gives us plenty of help on how to overcome offense in our life. When you go back clear to Genesis, you find that just even the first kids, Cain and Abel, there was an offense that caused Cain to kill Abel. There's a very vindictive act. And you see hundreds of times in the Bible where people have either been offended or have offended. And so this morning we're going to really take a look at these particular areas and hopefully we can leave here today living an offense-free life. Isn't that God's goal? Don't you think that when God looks down and he sees who we are and what we're involved in that he actually wants us to do our best to not offend others? I mean, that's just kind of what it means to be a Christ follower, a Jesus follower, is we're not doing stuff to offend and tick off a bunch of people. We should live that way. We should live like Jesus. On the other hand, the Bible talks about guarding our heart with all diligence, for out of it springs forth the issues of life. There's actually, I believe, a way to live an offense-free life. Doesn't mean that you're not hurt. It doesn't mean that you don't face challenges. There's a difference between being hurt and being offended. And what we'll find when we look at Scripture today is there's a way to live that way. And so I really want to look at just three big things today. And I want to look at these two Scriptures, and I want you to see these two Scriptures from these two angles. Romans twelve eight says this. If possible, so far as it depends on you. This is Paul writing, he's saying this. Whatever you can do within your power, can you pull up your bootstraps and try to live peaceably with people? Can you make it your aim to not be offensive? On the flip side, we see Solomon saying this, and we read this in Proverbs 19.11. He says, sensible people control their temper. Their behavior, their attitudes, their actions. And he says this, they earn respect by overlooking wrongs. It doesn't mean that wrongs never happened to them. It simply means that when they came their way, they overlooked them. A lot more easier said than done. Anybody smiling going, okay, that's nice for you. Just come on, I I would be in the same category. here's what we found, and I want to go here this morning. I want to look at three thoughts. What is offense? How do we keep from offending others? And how do we keep from being offended? Just want to look at those three thoughts. Hopefully, we can leave here today, leaving all of our offenses here, and we can leave today feeling great about what God's done in our life. Here's what an offense simply is. And again, if you look at all the different definitions, it comes down to something simple as this. Something that outrages the senses. Someone says something or does something that causes hurt, anger, resentment, offense, vindictive actions. Something happens to you that begins to enrage you. And again, when it really comes to an offense because it's deeper than a hurt, have you noticed that when you're offended, it begins to change everything about you? It begins to consume you. It changes your personality, your mood. You begin to dwell on it and think about it, and you're wanting to put something in their Kool-Aid. I mean, something, something just begins to happen inside where you just can't seem to get it out of you, and you get stuck. When you go back and you look in the Old Testament, you find that the word that's used over and over again to explain offense is actually a word that means stumbling block. It means that you actually do something in order to cause another person to stumble or fall. It actually, it actually kind of means intentionally tripping someone. It's in your heart to cause them to stumble. When I was in first grade, there was this cute little, rather irritating young little girl named Bridget. Bridget had hair that was about four feet long and she used to wear these monster uh, pigtails. And they, they, they kind of st- stuck up and they kind of looked like woo, woo. And She would run and they'd look like big wings, but she would use them to, to, to harass people. She'd always go like this. And whenever you get close, she'd, something, she'd just go like this, go, hum, hum, hum. you just go, you know. And this, this one day in particular, again, just to kind of illustrate this idea, Bridget was running from the front of the classroom in her desk, running in between the desks, and she's going like this to hit all of us guys. And I just thought I would just help her by just simply at the last minute going, ha, and put my foot out. And she goes over, lands on her little nose and starts crying. And I learned what it meant to uh, go to the principal's office. This is the first time, uh, first of many times, obviously, where I had to visit the principal's office where I learned what a mahogany paddle on my rear end felt like. They used to do that in the olden days. And uh, I got spanked. That's what that word means. Is there something in you where you just go? <laughs> you offend. You cause someone to stumble. In the New Testament, there's this word that shows up over and over again. It's it's the Greek word scandalon, and it simply means snare, trap, like a bird's trap. You do something that pr- imprisons someone, that captures someone. It's like a noose. You you stop them in their tracks. And that's exactly what this word means is that we either do things to people or they do things to us that cause us to stumble, to fall. We look at what's happening in our nation right now, the, 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 the division that's happening. You hear what's happening on the TV screens and debates You see what's going on right now with all of the moral challenges, and we have a country that lives with this attitude or spirit of offense, and I don't think it should be that way. And so we're going to talk about these two areas today. Again, either we're offended. There's really only two types. There's hundreds of ways you can be offended, but really the two types we're going to talk about is either we're offended or we offend others. And so let's drill down, and let me, let me start first of all by talking about this one area. Let's talk about us and things that we do that could actually offend others. Is it okay if we pick on ourselves first of all? And let's talk about some things that maybe we do often that cause offense, because I believe first and foremost, we should take personal responsibility to live in peace the best we can with all those around us. That is part of being a Christian. So we want to talk about that. And there's really a couple things that I think we should be mindful of that will help us not to be so offensive. The first one is this, is our tongue. The most common way that you and I offend others is by what we say. We don't think of words as powerful weapons, but they're really like poisonous darts. Do you remember maybe a word that was spoken to you possibly years ago by a parent? Maybe a parent that told you you'd never amount to anything? Maybe a teacher that said, you're too stupid to learn. Maybe a spouse that said, I don't know why I married you. And what seemed to be just these temporary words seemed to be lodged very deep. Here is what James said about these kinds of words. And I think we should put these on ourselves. James chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. In the New Living Translation, he says this. No one can tame the tongue. No one. He says, it is restless and evil and full of deadly poison. Isn't this encouraging? You're going, all right. You know, James is saying, You, you just got a potty mouth. It's kind of modern vernacular here. You just you just got some issues. He says, listen, he goes, sometimes it praises our Lord and our Father. And sometimes it curses those who've been made in the image of God. And he goes, this shouldn't be so. It's it's amazing. He goes, how can a person come into a service like this, open up their heart and say, I love you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. And turn around in another moment and just slice someone to pieces. He says, it shouldn't be that way. Proverbs says this in verse 18, verse 21. It says, words kill and words give life. They're either poison or fruit. And the writer of Proverbs says this, you choose. You choose. We have the choice of what comes from our mouth. It's why James said to us that we should probably think twice before speaking once. If you've ever looked at yourself in the mirror, you notice something every time that you look is that you have two ears and one mouth for a reason. God wants you to listen more than you talk. And sometimes you need to think 10 times before you speak one time. Like the old saying says, be careful what you spit out because it might become your lunch tomorrow. We've got to be careful of our tongue. Here's another area where we've got to be careful of. It's our attitude. And when we go back to the word once again, we see that the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 13, verses four through eight. And this is the great love chapter. And maybe just look at it this way, if I could go this far. because How many have ever had a bad attitude? Okay, come on, every campus is going, okay, kind of... How many have said something bad? You just kind of had a bad day, something happened, okay. This is one of my bad attitude adjusters. It's kind of like the mahogany paddle. This, this word right here is kind of... I like to put my name in the place where it says love. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 says, love never gives up or Mark never gives up. Mark cares more for others then he does himself. Mark doesn't want what he doesn't have. And Mark doesn't strut. Mark doesn't have a swelled head, although it's bald. Mark doesn't force himself on others. He doesn't live a me first life. Mark doesn't fly off the handle. Mark doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Mark doesn't revel when others grovel. Mark doesn't take pleasure, but likes the flowering of truth. He puts up and trusts God, always believes all things, bears all things, trusts all things, endures all things. Why can't we just love each other? Why is it that we just can't go out and just in our hearts have the attitude, like Jesus did, to just love those around us? the neighbor across the street, the cantankerous guy at work, why not just love them instead of having an attitude towards them? I remember hearing a story years ago about a man named Smith Wigglesworth. He was one of the greatest 20th century healing evangelists. He got saved later on in his life, probably around the age of 46, he had married a beautiful young lady. Her name was Polly. And Polly was a preacher for the Salvation Army. And for years before his, years before his conversion, she would actually go out semi-weekly uh, and would go out and preach at different meetings in the city and preach the gospel. And he, he, was, he, he was just upset that she would spend so much time going to church. And one night in particular, she was walking out the door He said this to her. If you walk out that door one more time, I'm gonna lock it, bolt it, and you can sleep outside. And she said, well, you know, I kinda have to go. I'm the one speaking, I'm sorry you feel that way. I love you, honey. She leaves, he does just that, he bolts the door. She comes home later that night, the door's locked, it's bolted, she can't get in. So she cuddles up on the doormat in a very cold, bitter England night, and falls asleep, shivering like a stray dog at the doorstep. Morning would come, and Smith Wigglesworth would go open the door, go get the newspaper, right? and there she was, shivering. <laughs> she gets up. You know what she does? I know most of you ladies would do this. She gets up, gives him a hug, kisses him on the cheek, tells him good morning. She says, if if you don't mind, I'm just going to go ahead and go into the kitchen to make you breakfast. We're not talking about like dry toast. I mean, she went and cooked bacon and eggs and she cooked ham and French toast and pancakes and coffee and whatever it was. Whipped cream and strawberries. You think about it. Made this monster breakfast. He was so challenged with her godly attitude." he ended up giving his life to Christ to become one of the greatest evangelists of all time. Listen, bad things happened to her, but she made the choice saying that she was responsible for her own attitude, not for anyone else. Our tongue, our attitude, how about this one? How about our actions? This is another area. Paul says something that, that, that we really need to hear in a 21st century church. 1 Corinthians 8:13, he says, So if I if what I eat causes another believer to sin, I will never eat meat again as long as I live. For I don't want to cause another believer to Here's the word, stumble, to be offended. He's saying this, I have every right to eat meat. It's my right. Doesn't it sound like America today? I, I, I have my right. I'm a free person. Why are you going to tell me what I can do with my life, my money, my body? What right do you have to tell me who I marry, who I don't marry? What right do you, right? And so we live in this narcissistic culture that somehow, way says, I have my rights and you don't have any business telling me what I can do. Welcome to America. This is what Paul's saying. I care more about other person and their rights than my own. And if I'm going to do something that will cause them to turn from God, cause them to be offended, cause them to sin, I would rather simply eat tofu the rest of my life than powering down a big old New York steak. Wow. Come on, is that challenging a little bit? He's saying, listen, your actions have an effect on people's life. Same thing with our selfishness. is that we can simply just be selfish. Somehow we think that the world revolves around us and we get pushy, we get an attitude, start thinking in a different way somehow that you deserve that seat or that place in line or cut someone off in the parking lot to take that parking spot. And I mean, we, we, just, we just live in this world of self-absorption and we don't even know the impact on the lives all around. Our wives, our children. Yeah, get over here and down. Really? Here's what we can do. We can make the decision to say this. As a Jesus follower, I choose today to do everything within my power to not offend others to love them, to serve them, to care for them, to do whatever, because I don't want to be responsible for another person's bloody nose. I'm no longer going to trip my kids, my wife, my workers, my neighbors. I'm done. No more. But for the last few minutes that we have, I want to talk about the area that probably most of us struggle with in one way or another in our lives. That's with offense. When someone does something to us, you know, I started by asking the question of all campuses, how many people have ever been offended? Most of the hands went up. I think if we are to be real honest, there may be some stuff that's still stuck. Maybe you've pushed it off, maybe you've buried it, maybe you've tried to pray through it, but it seems to always keep coming up again. That's what the series is all about. And I want to take a few minutes because my heart, my prayers, I was praying for this service. I was believing that God was going to allow us to actually take this word overcome, apply it to the area of offense that we could actually leave here today being offense free. Listen, I don't know what's happened to your world or your life. Some of you have been treated in the most hideous ways, things that were said, abuse that happened to your life. I'm not minimizing that in any way at all. Please don't misunderstand me. But what we find is the Bible gives us these tools to overcome, And so whatever it is, whatever you're facing, whatever your challenge is, I just want you again to just put it in front of you, and I want to give you some practical things that you can start applying to this one area of your life so that you can become offense-free. Here's the first thing that we have to do. When we look at our offense or we look at what's going on in our world, the very first thing we have to decide is to live selflessly start by making the decision to say, it's not about me, I'm a walking dead man or dead lady. Galatians 2.20 says, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. When you start your day, your life, by understanding that nothing is about you, it's hard to be offended when you're dead. (laughs) <laughs> it's hard to be offended when all that you're thinking about is others. Let's listen to what Paul says. This Philippians two verses three through seven. He says, "This don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Push yourself aside." And help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. And I love this part forget yourselves long enough to give others a helping hand. Think of yourselves the way that Christ thought of himself. And think about this it says, He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantage of that status. But instead, it says he set aside all of those privileges and took on the form of a slave. Jesus is saying, What I deserve? Palace. Oh, yeah. Jewels, authority, position. I'm God. Don't say that. I mean, he, but he says, No, I'm going I'm to push all those aside. And instead, I'm going to come over here. And I'm going to position myself as a slave. This is God himself talking. And Paul's saying, you should probably live that way too. If you really want to find your life, lose it. The more that it's about you, the more complicated life will always be. Just make it about us. Here, here's another thing that I think is real important. Once we just say, okay, I'm starting my day by pushing everything aside. It's no longer about me. Something comes, the next thing you do is forgive quickly. Forgive quickly. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians 4.32. He says, be gentle with one another, sensitive. And listen to what he says here. Forgive one another, as quickly and as thoroughly as God in Christ has forgiven you. Time out. Did you just hear this? Is this not a mind, blo- mind blower? Paul said, think about how Jesus quickly and thoroughly forgave you. How many are glad that Jesus forgave you? I mean, let's just make a list of all the stuff we've done that we deserve, you know, punishment on. And he goes, no, I'm gonna just get rid of all of those and I'm gonna be around today when you make more mistakes and tomorrow and the next day and for the rest of your life. And every time you sin, I'm gonna quickly and I'm gonna thoroughly, I'm gonna forgive you for everything. And we go, oh yeah. And here's what Paul says, do the same. When someone does something, just stop and quickly, I forgive them. That doesn't mean that you're not going to be hurt or that you're not going to have emotion, but at least say, God, I forgive them. It's like Jesus on the cross. He could have just right there, just ended the world. But he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Quickly, thoroughly, forgave everyone. Here's another part about forgiveness. you got to catch this. Please catch this. Somehow, in our finite minds, we actually think that if we don't forgive them, that we've held them hostage. I mean, keep them in bondage. You're keeping yourself in bondage. They're off to Disneyland. They're just doing whatever, and you're just going, no, I'm just going to be mad, and they're just going... Who was that? I mean, they don't even know you exist hardly anymore. And somehow you're all miserable. I just refuse. I'm going to go to my death, but never forget. Heart attack. <laughs> Who wins? Right. True. You don't. True. It's as much for you as it is for them. It's like this lady. She went to this Reinhard Bonnke crusade in Africa. She was married to a Zulu tribe chief. She came home so excited about this freedom and told her husband about this wonderful conversion that just took place. He beat her to a pulp and as she laid on the ground in her own blood, he says to her, now tell me what your Jesus is gonna do for you now. And she looks up and says, he can still help me to forgive you right now. Now, there's a choice. But she refused to allow the calories that it takes to have any other thought of offense. It's pretty hard, isn't it? Come on, be honest. It'll help you. Here's another one. Behave biblically. Jesus wanted us to understand that if, if something happens and you're offended, Matthew 18, verse 21 and 22, he says this, if someone offends you, go to them. Oh, I could never do that. Now again, I understand there's extenuating circumstances maybe to where this wouldn't work. You see it sometimes in court cases where even someone, and I just, the, 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 youth pastor whose wife was just murdered, he went out of his way to make sure that he could contact the murderer to look in his eyes and say, I just want to let you know, I forgive you. Wow. If you don't, here's what happens. It becomes your own war. And it begins to magnify. It's just that, that every day that you don't, the enemy pours more gasoline on it and it becomes bigger and more emotional. And you find yourself at night having little pictures of them with pins. And I mean, you just, you start thinking funny, wrong things. Here's another thing that happens. You start talking about them to everyone else. Look what they did. Can you believe? And I mean, just the gossip wagon goes on and you say, I can't believe that. And I can't believe this. Just stop it. There's something that happens when you go here. Here's what I found a couple times where I've had to do this in my life. A lot of times you talk to them and go, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't even mean it that way. And all of a sudden you, you've you you've put together World War III in your mind only to find out that they weren't even thinking that. I remember walking up the uh, main aisle here one time and this lady, I saw her and we were talking. I never really said hi because I was in the middle of a conversation with the marriage falling apart and later on she would tell me three years later that she was offended that I didn't say hi and I'm just going "Whoa, you know I love you but this was like a thing over here going on because I wish you would have told me I said I wish you would have told me I love you right so but a lot of times it's not what you think here's another one is this helping at all we're gonna do some of these things come on how about this one Pray promptly. Get God involved from the start. Jesus said to pray for those who persecute you, Matthew 5. Those that harass you. When you pray for someone, a couple things happen. No, No longer is the enemy involved where you can actually get your eyes on him and actually get God involved. And the more that you talk to God, the less that you're focused on this. Healing comes this way. But maybe God can actually do something that way in healing their hearts as well. God wants them restored as much as he wants you restored. We need to make sure that we do that. Here's another one. Don't be revengeful. Paul said this in Romans 12. He said, never pay back evil for more evil. Never. Why is it just creates more challenges? Talk to the Hatfields and the McCoys. There are these two little boys that were playing after dinner one particular evening and Harry and James and Harry took a stick and he whacked James with the stick and James started crying ran downstairs told his mom and his anybody have kids ever do something like that okay that's good. so mom brings the kids together and says okay guys we're gonna we need to solve this Harry please tell James you're sorry he goes I'm sorry and said okay James you you need to to let Harry know that you've forgiven him and he, he's crying a little bit and he kind of sniffles and goes, Well, okay. <laughs> he goes, I'll, I'll forgive him tonight, but if I'm still alive in the morning when I wake up, I'm going to get you. <laughs> a kind of kind of conditional forgiveness. This is what God says Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. He keeps the books. You're not the judge. The Bible says judge not lest you be judged. I just like, oh, you know, if I look at my list over here, I'm going, whoa, hey, forgive you. I forgive everybody, man. I and mean, behold to that list, right? I know your list is less than mine, but, but but I want to finish with this if I could have the band to the platform on all the campuses. Just settle in here for just the last last minute or two here. Give it to God and walk away. Think about whatever you're facing. Just just, just listen to me right here. Whatever you're facing, no matter how difficult, no matter how painful, no matter how hurtful it is, your best option, give it to God, walk away. Throughout the Bible, you see these scriptures show up. The battle is the Lord's. Never lost a battle, by the way. Exodus 14, 14. The Lord will fight for you. Your job is just be still. Just give it to him. Walk away. When we give something to God and our eyes are on him, it's impossible to have your eyes on the offense at the same time. The more your eyes are just there, they can't be there. Spending time alone with him. Just peeing with him, focusing on him. God, I just put this at your feet. Your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. I finish with this last little quote from a man named Nelson Mandela, one of the greatest men to ever walk the face of this planet. He was imprisoned for 27 years for simply standing up for his own rights. He would be released at age 80 to become the first democratic president of South Africa and he went on to say this, and I want you to catch this. Just, just, just hear the statement. As he was leaving the prison, this is what he said. As I walked out the door towards the gate that would lead to my freedom, I knew if I didn't leave my offense, my bitterness, or any hatred behind, I would still be in prison. And he makes the statement. So, gave it to God and I walked away. 27 years! It's yours, God. Just walking away. Giving it to you. And you watched his speeches and you watched his manner. He was a a free man, simply because he made a choice to say this. I'm gonna overcome. It's in my court. It's up to me. No one can do this for me. Even God himself can't do it for you. You have to do it for you. He's given you all the tools. You just have to say, you know what? Giving it to you, God. God, it's all yours. No more. It's walking away now. I'm not going to give it any more thought, any more emotion, any more calorie. I'm going to give it to God. I'm going to walk through those doors today into my life, a free person known as an overcomer. I just, I just know. There's so many people on every campus that have literally been haunted by the emotion and the pain of an offense. Can we believe God for a miracle in your life, in our lives today, that maybe the very presence of God will fall upon you, and once and for all, you just go, it's gone.